0: We're on Hollywood Boulevard, driving vroom, along, vroom. along, driving along, hey,
1: hi, Karen, hi, listeners, happy mid-October.
0: Jesus, can you imagine, how quickly is this going now?
1: I know, I mean, time is completely meaningless. Yeah, it absolutely It's been is. the longest year and it has flown by, I mean, I feel like we've lived 12 lives since just March. I and they've kind of all that. and they've kind of all been sucky. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah pretty much. Yeah. So, kinda. so yeah. 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 So hey. Happy hey. Halloween.
1: Yeah, it is approaching.
0: Happy Halloweeny, because we have um <laughs> kind of like <laughs> a Halloween-y episode.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would love to think that there's more of that to come as Halloween approaches uh if anyone has any recommendations for things to watch things to stream things to read what have you uh happy to do it and we can talk about that again in the next one um but uh otherwise i'll just listen to monster mash i guess i don't know
0: okay <laughs> uh.
1: but we've uh, both watched some things on netflix um that are you know seasonal uh delights so i don't know do you want to go first or do you want me to talk for a bit
0: um, could we just knock Emily and Paris out because... I Because like, it's the
1: scariest one of
0: all? That's sure. the scariest one of all. And I think that we should just do that one. For, well, because it does not have the Halloweeny theme. Um, all things I've read about it say it's terrible. And I did watch a little snippet, like, kind of trailer on Netflix. And I was like, if that's the best you got, I am not sitting through this piece of shite. So I think we just need to, like, get it done, done with.
1: Oh, uh, sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I should say, I think we've talked about it really briefly last week. One of the reasons I think we watched it was because it is a Darren Star creation, and Darren Star helped create Melrose, the reason for this podcast's initial being. So out of loyalty, we watched it. And I know, Karen, that you said um that a lot of the reviews you saw were really bad but i loved it really no that's a lie it's one of the Uh, worst things i've ever seen
0: (laughs) i was like holy shit what's wrong with you no it's
1: um it's like so lazily ridiculous as to be mind-boggling and also so uninteresting and stupid um I mean it even it even begins to make the sights of Paris look boring because it is just so insipid.
0: Well the premise just sounds
1: terrible.
0: And, I mean I guess appreciate. it was supposed I guess it was supposed to be a fish out of water story?
1: Kind of. Yeah, and it's it's like a combination of fish out of water and like sex and the city living a young fabulous life type thing. Um and it was I think originally sold or produced to be an mtv show and it really feels like it's a that or a free form show something for a very young and indiscriminating audience well it Um, also
0: sounds really tone deaf like i could not imagine a show like sex in the city flying right now
1: no you you know we're talking okay so you think this is where we are pandemic economy 2020 but let's say this was pitched in 2018 or 2019 those problems were already there the the class and money issues were all already there all that stuff about privilege but yes so lily collins is uh 20 something and this is something we'll talk about in a sec too um marketing like associate who is, I guess, from the Midwest. She's living and working in Chicago. Her boss is Kate Walsh from Grey's Anatomy and Private Practice, who is supposed to go and travel to this small branding company in Paris that their big monolith company has acquired. Kate Walsh's character, who is an executive, is supposed to give them the American point of view so they can help broaden their appeal. Kate Walsh, within five seconds of the beginning of the show, finds out that she's pregnant. And so instead, her employee, played by Lily Collins, gets to go. She has a boyfriend. She leaves him behind and flies to Paris, where she starts at this company. And it's like, problems from the start. She's Everything about her is, is tone deaf and... Uh, And, and, and like, completely oblivious. They do this thing where she's like, oh, I'm in France. Everything is so wonderful. I'm just going to sit at bars and say, give me a wine that's French. Like, she tries a croissant for the first time. What? Like, the way they, you know, like, every French cliche is employed. But her, like, the culture shock is all really kind of stupid and and negligible because it's it's not like the French are particularly awful except for her boss in the French office. It's just she does stupid things. And very quickly also the boyfriend in Chicago breaks up with her because in the space of one scene he just says he can't do the long distance thing. All of which is to free her up so that she might be able to date the handsome neighbor in the apartment beneath her. Um, but the thing that's really crazy is her position is so nondescript at this company, um, where she has a boss who makes no bones of the fact that she hates and resents her, yet talks to her in a way that if if this small company has been acquired by the big company from America, this woman has no right to talk to the Lily Collins character, Emily, um, because she'd get fired. She would only talk to her if she has the power to fire her, which she actually seems to, but doesn't. And then there are a couple of French colleagues at this office who occasionally, like, are there just for exposition to translate a slang word for her or tell her, like, some history about someone in the office. She then also meets up with uh, uh, someone she just bumps into in the park who becomes her best friend, played by Ashley Park of Broadway fame. She has a Tony and a Drama Desk nomination. She's in the Mean Girls musical, The King and I Revival, also there to just narrate about French life. Like, they're (laughs) all there just to actualize Emily, tell her she's great, tell her she's loved. Emily never really has an obstacle. She usually just waltzes in, has an idea that somehow seems to be great. There might be a slight twist, and then she's able to solve that problem, too. But the thing is, it's unclear what her job is because i don't think darren Starr or any of these writers know what marketing versus branding versus advertising versus pr is <laughs> they just do that, like generic thing kind of like they sometimes do at D on melrose where it's like you run campaigns it's creative it's glamorous parties yay and it's right. like that's not what it is like that's, that's not what happens that's not how it works dealing with spreadsheets and emails and real tedious stuff but her job, like, seems to keep changing so that she can just keep doing things that look glamorous in ways that, like, 24, 25-year-olds don't do, especially when you've been shipped off to a foreign country and don't even know how to
0: translate. People language, through. yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah, like, she's just always failing up. Kind of like Billy on Melrose, actually. Um, like, there's no real comeuppance. There's also just no real, like, obstacles. There's no, like, there's no drama. There's no suspense. We're not really worried and we're not really interesting. We just always see her walking around carrying a baguette and like having the Eiffel Tower in the background. Like, it's completely, dramatically inert. Why couldn't I fail up? I know. I don't think it happens in real life.
0: You know, like, why? Or if
1: you're independently wealthy, you can fail up because you start up. It doesn't
0: matter. Why can't I fail up? That would be great.
1: It looks great.
0: I mean, like, all, like, I'm under, like, you're always under so much pressure, but if you fail up, you're not.
1: No. Amazing. No. The Peter Principle is an amazing thing.
0: I know. No shit.
1: And that's basically all the show is. Like, there isn't, there aren't interesting romances. There aren't interesting observations of the differences between American and French culture. The various characters remark on the fact that there are differences. There's not really any commentary there. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Did did
0: you get through the whole thing or did oh, you watched, give yeah,
1: up? Yeah, 10 episodes and we watched the whole thing. You are a trooper. Yeah. In this case, I will take that. Damn. But I'll tell you one show that I did not watch all of. And that was back when I, like, when we watched everything all the way through. We stopped watching Haunting of Hill House two years ago, about halfway through, oh. and never really picked it up again. Oh, my God. Did you so hate it? Um, yeah. Yeah, really? we did. It really didn't work for us. And I know oh, okay. we did talk about it on this yeah. podcast, so I know, that you definitely felt differently. And I know that you've now seen the new one, Haunting of Bly Manor. Yes. So I'm, well, I'm wondering first, how much have you seen, if not all of it? And I have then... seen.
0: I have seen everything except the last episode. What so
1: if I they have... blow me? The what if they what? What if they blow it in the end? What if what if what if you're about to say wonderful <laughs> things and then you watch the last episode? and You're like, oh, never mind. They it was all a dream. They
0: could blow it, but um, I I have loved it so much that I it's not without its quibbles, and I will say. This last episode that I've seen, the next to last episode, I watched it tonight, it was probably, it gave the backstory of Bly Manor, and it was a lot of telling and not showing. And Mm. that, it almost felt like the info dump episode. So we finally got the story that we've been waiting for, the why, why is all this shit happening in this house? Um, and and how is it happening? Um, this these super like how are these supernatural entities able to survive and thrive? And we kind of got that answer in the in the next to the last episode. But as I said, it was a lot of sort of voiceover telling the story um, while they were showing it. But again, like it, there was so much voiceover in this um, this particular episode. And that it really kind of stood out because there wasn't as much voiceover in these episodes prior. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my only quibble with it. And it does have me going, God, I hope that the I hope that we do end with a bang, you know, um, and there are a lot of unfinished threads, you know, threads that need to be tied together. Um That I'm not quite sure how they're going to do that particularly in one episode, but I guess we're going to see, but but I have to say like, apart from that, I have been absolutely riveted by this. It is so creepy and scary and haunting and it's uh, really,
1: it's really effective.
0: Yeah. It's very effective. And, and it's also like a real, like I was thinking about it. It's a really great kind of thriller or detective story. Because you are trying to figure out, like, wait, is this person alive or dead? Um, Wait, what's going on here? How is this happening? What is going on here? And you're kind of, like, in your head trying to sleuth this out um, in terms of what is happening all around them. But at the same time, like it is scary and creepy but like smart scary we're not just going for the jump scares or the gore it's that sort of thing where you're watching something play out on on screen and you think maybe just beyond in the distance there's a figure and you're Mm -hmm. like wait what is that and then and then but nobody sees the figure but you, you know, um, that sort of like looming figure, that looming presence. Um, so the creep factor is high, um, which is wonderful. And, and the casting is phenomenal. I mean, I think that that was the same with, um, with last year with Haunting of, of Hill House, the cast, was just absolutely tremendous. Um, so I
1: have a couple questions, and yeah. one is about the cast. Some of the cast is the same as Hill House, but they're playing uh, a set of different characters.
0: Yeah, completely different characters. This has absolutely nothing to do.
1: There's with... There's no connection. It, these no, are like anthologies, standalone.
0: Yes, seasons. these are. Yeah, this is this would be like American Horror Story. <laughs> and no, uh,
1: <laughs> but, but presumably <laughs> better because you like it. Um, and it this is a somehow an adaptation of uh, Turn of the Screw. The, um, the Henry James,
0: yeah, Henry James. is it kind of the screw that it's a da- I knew it's a Henry James I, I'm just wondering oh I guess, you know
1: what uh, that, I, I just said that I assume that's what it was um, um, it which, is 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 like, which is like his most gothic entry in his canon. why
0: did I think though that this was Bly, like Bly Manor was the book it was based on is there a book? I have, I have no idea but I'm, I, I assume that there was I kind of don't really remember the turn of the screw story
1: um, what's without giving away anything, what is the initial premise of the Bligh Manor setup?
0: All right. So there has been a tragic death at the Bligh Manor, um, the au pair who's supposed to look after the children. Okay. Okay. So there are these two children, their parents die in India. Um, and, uh, the uncle hires, uh, an au pair to look after them at the house. Um, One child is supposed to be at boarding school. He is sent home for a transgression that we learn about later and we see the reason why and it's absolutely touching and really, really effective. Um, And so basically this American au pair is hired. Um, She's got her own ghosts, so to speak. She's carrying her own ghosts along with her. Mm -hmm. Um, When she shows up, she is troubled as well. Um, But she really connects with these kids and takes care of them, Um, even though there are all these sort of odd things happening. The kids are kind of odd and there are all these odd things happening um, around her that she can't quite make sense of um, at Bly Manor. Although she, you know, it's like one of those things where the co-workers are great, like the people she works for are great. It's not like these are all terrible people. Um, it's just, these are all actually lovely people in a very frightening home in a very frightening, like kind of circumstances. And there are some plot twists, um, particularly surrounding the housekeeper that you are like, whoa, I did not see that coming. And it's Hmm. really kind of, um, not only really shocking and effective and like, it's also very, very tragic because you've, the, her situation is such that you have grown to really be very fond of this character and you're really rooting for her. And it turns out that there is this ho- horrible, horrible thing that happened to her and she's mm. not gonna get her happily ever after, which is like the one mm. thing that you're kind of, like I spent kind of rooting for where I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Um, and of course, like it turns out that the house has been haunted by something, you know, from generations before. Um, I'm still not clear how this particular family is related Mm. to the family that sort of sparked the entire um, issue. Because as we learned in the last episode, Bly Manor was uh, basically abandoned and fell into disrepair Mm. and sold. And, you know, so I don't know if this family had a connection um, with the original family um, that had Bly. Uh, but are you know, they were the, the husband and wife, the mom and dad that ultimately died in India were called a Lord and a lady. So they had titles,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, which I guess would be befitting a man or house. Um, but again, I'm not, you know, I haven't sort of figured out if they are related to the original inhabitants of Bly or if this is something, um, unique and different. <laughs> anyway i'm really enjoying it one more episode to go like i like i was like binging it all weekend like it was one of those things where i was like i didn't want to stop watching i didn't want to go to bed i wanted to watch the whole thing um um, you know of course i'm concerned will it fall apart in the final episode i certainly hope not the two kids by the way oh my god they deserve all the emmys oh
1: they're that great huh oh they're
0: wonderful emily i guess it's Amelie B. Smith and Benjamin Evan Ainsworth. Um, You know, I always I always think kids in horror movies probably have the hardest jobs because like they're like it's like, how can you not be scared? You know, I mean, like kids, kids like this would be creepy for a kid, you know, and then to, to actually have to be the creepy kid. Is probably a little bit strange. I mean, I always love it when you know. I, I kudos for kids that do horror movies. Um, but yeah, but the the cast is really quite good.
1: I'm glad to hear that. Um, yeah, let me know how the last episode is.
0: I will, I will. But I mean, for the moment, like, highly recommend. Su- super evocative, super like like set design wise and shot wise. It's absolutely beautiful. And, and, again, some really fantastic acting.
1: Oh, good. You know what? We spent a lot of the weekend and some of this week binging. What? The latest seasons of The Great British Bake Off. Oh. In fact, we will probably be joined by special guest star Alyssa Marr in a week or so for uh, a look at the difference between the British and the American food competition shows. Right. But those have provided us great joy and comfort during this toxic time.
0: And uh-huh. Lord knows we need that. Uh,
1: yeah, we're glad, we're glad we found it. It's nice to see people acting civilized, even if it's just on TV in another continent. But so- I have to say, you know it was actually a kind of charming thing to watch?
0: Yeah, you tell – because I – this was a head-scratcher, so go ahead.
1: <laughs> um, the movie Hubie Halloween, uh, which is Adam Sandler's latest on Netflix. I feel like he does one a week, but um, but this is his new, like, comedy – thriller movie so had you were confused about it had you not heard anything about it until i mentioned it
0: well or you like read a description and it? i had seen it in passing on the next netflix like just landed sort of thing oh right and then and then i watched a trailer for it and it looked hideous and i was like oh here goes adam sandler again doing something really terrible and doing that terrible voice that he does that I cannot stand listening to. And then you were like, we're going to talk about who be Halloween. And I was like, okay, you can talk about it. But (laughs) yeah, but but I'm so surprised to hear you say that it was not like, I was like waiting for you to be like, this thing was so terrible, but okay. It's not.
1: That is the thing. I mean, it, it is everything that you said, but more. Because in the end, like, you have to go in with measured expectations, but...
0: This cast um, is wild. I'm just looking at IMDb. And it's a this cast, cast of a wild. lot of,
1: of, it's a lot of, like, the Adam Sandler stalwarts. Um, but, yeah, he's the basic premise is he's, like, a simple sort of stunted guy who has spent his whole life living with his mom in Salem, Massachusetts. And he loves Halloween. Um, and that's, like, his thing. And everyone in town knows who he is. He monitors the city as the official Halloween helper every year around Halloween time. Um, and, you know, like, a couple, like, weird, suspicious, perhaps supernatural things are starting to happen around the, the, the time of Halloween, um, including someone and we don't know who it is at the beginning, but there's an escaped con from the local mental institution. Um, so some of the co-stars include Steve Buscemi, Maya Rudolph, Tim Meadows, uh, Kevin James, Ray Liotta is also in it, and um, uh, Julie Bowen, uh, who he was in um, Happy Gilmore with, was okay. is also in it. It is brow. The there are several, like, chunks of plot that sort of stop and start. And then at the end, they all sort of coalesce into a climax that I probably should have seen coming but didn't because I didn't think anyone involved was going to bother to lift any of the pieces up off the ground. And that's ultimately why I like it as much as I do because I actually think there's, like, a very sweet and... Uh, sensible given the film's own logic kind of end um it works as a family film in fact adam Saylor's family is also in it his wife and his daughters have small parts in it um it's like the old made for tv family movies you would have seen around the holidays like hbo would have done in in the 80s like the worst witch or something or abc <laughs> or maybe now freeform does when they're not re-airing hocus pocus i don't know um this is not high art. Don't get me wrong. And yet somehow it works. And the film has a really I think clever anti-bullying message um that I was ultimately just able to get on board with. But no, really? this
0: Ah. Huh. Maybe I'll give it a shot.
1: I mean, you don't have to pay close attention as it goes along. Right.
0: <laughs> I can I can multitask
1: um but not not unlike what i was saying about bake-off like there was something like kind and uplifting about it you know a lot of the stuff that we we watch a lot of the stuff that like you know gets you know the critical applause is really tumultuous like there's a the plotting is involved the stories get dark this is yes said at halloween but it's it, it is very light and i haven't seen whatever the last few adam sandler movies that he that he's done for netflix are um i know he did one with chris rock over the summer and i think you saw murder mystery with jennifer aniston but i i didn't um yeah that I, one was
0: kind of a kick that one i did enjoy uh,
1: you know i don't know how this will compare to that for you but that's kind of the response i had to this one i was like yeah okay, I enjoyed this for what it is. I would have never have... gone to a movie theater to see it.
0: Right, like, good thing right it's right on now, Netflix. Yeah. Anyway,
1: but, but, but for Netflix, for a service I've already paid for, I mean, yeah, we enjoyed it.
0: So I want to throw something out there. Have you, have you been paying attention to Saturday Night Live
1: at all? <laughs> no, it's funny you ask, because we have some conversations uh, about that, too. I'm not feeling SNL in the last couple of years, actually. But are you?
0: Well, I haven't watched SNL probably in a good 20 years. No lie. <laughs> um, I I kind of feel like after they took away Wayne's World, I wanted no part of it. I mean, um, that's
1: that one of its... You know, the high generation, yeah.
0: Talking one of my favorite movies, by the way. So, um, just saying. Wayne's World. Party time. Excellent. Um... It just randomly happened tonight. Um, Anthony and I put on their cold open, um, which was a spoof of the uh, vice presidential debate Debate. with the fly on the head Mm -hmm. of Mike Pence. Pence. And it was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. And, And I had forgotten how really friggin' funny Jim Carrey is. Oh and, yeah. You know, and it's so funny to sort of see him in that sort of milieu where he where he started, you know, because he started on In Living Color, which was kind of the I, I don't know. I I always felt it was like the more urban answer to yeah, like yeah, yeah. live like, got, when I was, it was like when we were younger. SM, yeah. 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 It was, and I always thought it was a little edgier. I always liked it better with the Fly Girls. And there was J-Lo, which was not J-Lo. Um, and I always loved In Living Color. And he was and he was great on that and yes,
1: biden.
0: and then, and so to see him do kind of go back to that format was really kind of wild especially after he's had like this movie career and all the ups and downs and then to have him like be in this element as like doing impressions and then doing biden it was really a lot of fun, and I really I was laughing out loud, and I can't remember the last time I laughed out loud at SNL. Like, I, like I really think yeah. that there were there were you know decades where it just I just wasn't feeling it with any of the cast, and and I just gave up on it. I really did give up on it, and this was kind of like, oh my god, like this is really funny shit.
1: Yeah, I had watched it like through better and worse until about three years ago. Um, and my thing is for the most part, I think the actors they, they get for their main players are typically great. And I think I just got tired of, of the writing as a new generation of writers started filling those roles. Um, and my thing is the political landscape satirizes itself. I don't need to see SNL every Saturday night basically just mock what has already mocked itself through the news cycle for the last six or seven days so that's why i kind of started to to separate from it like i prefer something like wayne's world where they built their own sketches that were funny as opposed to to just skewering the politicians of the day um and the other thing is i wish they could just use their main crop of of players to like you don't have to cast alec baldwin as do, as as Donald Trump. You don't have to cast Jim Carrey as Biden. Like, you have people you can use. Um, don't bring my Uh-oh. Rudolph back in to play Kamala.
0: I don't know. And I I'm not
1: saying that they can't be good. It was inspired. I, and I, didn't thought watch. I, I thought believe it. Was inspired.
0: it. I, I thought and, Jim Carrey doing that was absolutely inspired. So I'm not going to complain point, about
1: that. I hope Jim Carrey is around for at least four more years to keep playing that role on SNL. But, um, but no, my, my short answer is. Uh, haven't, haven't watched it and haven't seen Jim Carrey play Biden but now I want to
0: yeah I thought, I thought it was worth it and then the whole and then they do the fly thing and they actually do the fly and he yeah. does this impression of Biden doing an impression of Jeff Gold, Goldblum it was, it was phenomenal it was absolutely phenomenal I was dying it was so funny it was re- very funny so anyway highly recommended
1: yeah maybe I'll give it a shot or at least for that one sketch
0: I think it was on Hulu or maybe it was on YouTube. I don't remember, but it's just that one
1: sketch. Plus, I I have, I still have cable, so I can, I can get it.
0: You can go back and get it.
1: And you know, it was just on Turner Classic Movies. I think for the first time in the last week. Do you remember? I don't. I doubt you saw it when it came out. But do you ever remember the movie Peggy Sue Got Married? Oh, of course I remember the movie Peggy Sue. Kathleen Turner.
0: yeah, I, w- I think I probably saw it in the theater.
1: Oh, wow. So, yeah. so it's Kathleen Turner and, Nicolas Cage and Nicholas
0: Cage are- And Cage,
1: yeah. High school sweethearts. But do you know who plays some of the other high school students?
0: Oh man, it's been ages. Oh look, Joan Allen, Jim Carrey. Oh, you looking
1: it up. You're cheating. I'm looking it up. I'm cheating, okay. I'm totally cheating. Joan Allen and Jim Carrey.
0: Joan Allen, wow.
1: That's I I've I, I, I known who has been in the cast all along. And Sophia Coppola plays her younger sister and Helen Hunt plays their daughter um but but yeah i was i was like oh they don't make them like they used to
0: no that's a great movie yeah i saw that in the in the movie theaters wow
1: 1986,
0: yeah that's how old i am that's how old i am that was that was around the time there were a lot of great movies in the movie theaters um i remember going to the movies like every weekend cuz there was always something really really good um to to watch i'm trying to think um what else there was but it was like married to the mob i think came out around yeah
1: they were all like two years apart yeah
0: yeah yeah. and then um what was the other one that was like married to the mob but not um oh melanie Griffith. i i just watched that the Morgan other Griffith? night um
1: something wild
0: something wild yes
1: both yeah, directed just... by my favorite jonathan demi
0: yeah jonathan demi such great movies such such uh, great my
1: movies. favorite director <laughs> so quick um tidbit uh friend of the podcast jeff Talbot, was with me we actually saw a film screening at the ifc uh the independent film center downtown and on the way out jonathan demi was standing right there in the lobby so oh. so i was like hi i'm a huge fan of your movies and he was like oh thank you like totally demure and caught by surprise and and that was that and then we went on our way um i wonder how was, many people I
0: like just, recognize him
1: Probably not that many, Probably even at a movie theater, because, I mean, like, everyone, no one pays attention to anything, right. but, um, and, and just about a year later was when he passed away, so, um, so I was lucky to be able to have said that, and had that, that brief sighting.
0: Yeah, no kidding.
1: Which is kind of, like, I, my favorite director of all time, but there's nothing I really needed to say to him face to face, other than to be able to say, yeah, your movies have brought me joy. Yeah. <laughs> And his reaction told me they did the same for him.
0: Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, such a great, um, such great movies. Oh, God, I, I wish, um, I wish Peggy Sue got married. Not Peggy Sue got married. Uh, blah blah blah. Uh, married to the mob was easier to get without paying for it. Um, oh, it's
1: not. It's not streamable on it's any of not, the services.
0: No, it's not streamable, which is such a bummer. Because I was, because I was after I saw um, something wild, I was like so in the mood to see Married to the Mob*, which I like better than *Something Wild*. Um, I do too. I like the actors better, and I think the storyline is like kind of more interesting um, and a lot more fun. Uh, but yeah, but no, they didn't have it streaming.
1: You know, I think *Something Wild* is on Criterion. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping eventually Married to the Mob is too.
0: Yeah, I almost feel like that's... I mean, they fast.
1: give... Doesn't every movie get a Criterion release now? So it can't be that far away.
0: I mean, that would be nice. Wait, what did I say? I think I saw it on... I think I ended up seeing it on HBO Max. It has, like, uh, a sort of Criterion-y thing. Or it's, like, an AMC... No, I think it was, like, AMC... Picks or something, and and it was in that, and so that's where it was screening along with Xanadu which I tried, <laughs> I tried, and I made it about an hour, and I could, I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do it anymore, and I kept going. Why is Gene Kelly in this? Why is Gene Kelly in this? And the other thing that I couldn't figure out was how this wasn't a Broadway show before it was a like how it was a movie. For right? A how, like, yeah. Like, yeah, like it felt like it was. It should have been like it was sort of like. Broadway schlocky and I was kind of like How is that not How how did this not end up on Broadway first But there you go And Gene Kelly yeah, must
1: have been broke funny. Yeah I, I know there was just I think he thought it was going to be a very different kind of movie Which is why he said uh, Yes to it and I believe Though he lived for like another 15 or 16 years uh, It was the last movie He ever did
0: What did he possibly think it was going to Be
1: I don't know, but I do think it was one of those that they may have, like Casablanca, kind of been rewriting it and making it up as they went along. Unlike Casablanca, it turned out to be Xanadu. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I do remember, I think it was the playwright, David Lindsay abaire who did the book for the musical that came right. to Broadway in like 2007. Right. Um, and he's like, that movie is so 80s. They were all so stoned. You can practically see the cocaine on the screen it was so they were all so drugged out. And I think that pretty much explains it all.
0: I mean the fashion There were no
1: there were no guardrails on that storytelling at all.
0: Yeah, I mean the fashion, the outfits, the roller skates, the whole I mean, the whole thing was just like so Ridiculous, and I was, I was, I, I made, like I said, I made it through about an hour after like Gene Kelly's kind of big number, and then I was mm-hmm. like, I can't anymore because I just was so humiliated for him. I feel, and yeah, they bait and switch the poor man.
1: Yeah, I think that's what happened. Uh, I feel like we should continue this conversation a little bit next time Alyssa is on because uh, she has some feelings for Gene Kelly
0: oh yeah, like, we
1: should we should bring her in like good like feelings good like feelings?
0: feelings i'm like okay yeah, like,
1: okay you yeah, like like if he were still alive she could probably leave me for him feelings yeah
0: oh boy oh boy well i think i'm i'm toast i want to go to bed
1: i think we're all talked out yeah but, but okay. there you go i think we've given a a, a nice array of netflix reviews and, and then kicked it old school
0: yeah. Go watch Bly Manor.
1: Yeah, I think I'll give it a try.
0: Give it a shot. I'm very curious if it, I I'm curious knowing that you weren't a Hill House fan. I'm kind of curious if it, because they it's different. It's different. It's it's got the same atmospheric moody bits, but it's different. So I'm curious if you like this one better. All right, I'm going to shut up now cuz I want to go to bed. All right. All right. It's
1: time for Karen to bed. You guys stay well, stay healthy, stay sane, and give us five stars.
0: Yes, we love that. And we'll
1: see you next week. (laughs) Take care. We'll see you back on the Boulevard. Bye. Bye.